You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch podcast. It's Monday, March 28th. I'm Mike Pierce, HFO Research Analyst. Big stories from this past week. There's a record number of units under construction. What could be the problem with that? Multifamily surges in rural areas. And we asked the question, what exactly is affordable housing? HFO's podcasts are sponsored by the Tax Deferral Accommodator Butler Exchange Group, serving as a resource to investors, brokers, attorneys, accountants, lenders, and financial planners on the ins and outs of 1031 exchanges. HFO is your leading multifamily real estate firm in Oregon and Washington. Now, on to our news briefing. Longer construction times, labor, and supply issues are changing the calculus of multifamily oversupply. For multifamily developers this year, the big challenge won't be finding tenants for new units expected to be completed. It's sourcing the materials and labor to finish them. The total number of apartments under construction remains elevated at more than 700,000 units. However, the impact on the market will be spread over the next three years, minimizing any short-term supply relief to loosen the tight vacancy conditions in most markets, and less developers are able to launch even more projects soon. Of the more than 700,000 units under construction, CoStar's national multifamily forecast calls for an expected 414,000 new units to be completed in 2022, but lingering supply chain issues and construction labor shortages could prevent some projects from completing this calendar year. New multifamily deliveries hit their highest level since the mid-80s in 2020 at 441,000 units. The 2022 forecast sits 6% below the 2020 peak. Units under construction have been sitting near a 40-year high since the beginning of 2019, as developers have looked to take advantage of the robust demand and record multifamily valuations. However, in the National Multifamily Housing Council's most recent construction survey, 83% of respondents stated that they were experiencing delays in permitting and breaking ground on new projects. Rising labor costs and large price swings in lumber and other building materials have caused some projects to be on hold, as underwriting target yields can't be reached. Furthermore, the fear of not having materials delivered to the job on time has some builders delaying breaking ground until all supplies are warehoused near the development site. The development timeline is also complicated by the fact that developers primarily focus on mid- and high-rise apartment properties, with 80% of units under construction falling into those categories. This has been a major shift over the past three decades, when garden-style properties previously accounted for the majority of new multifamily construction. Garden-style projects can be built in as little as 12 months compared to mid- and high-rise projects, which typically take between two and three years to complete. And while 700,000 units under construction is a significant amount, longer construction times and outright delays will spread the supply over a more manageable time horizon. With housing shortages being felt across the nation, new multifamily properties coming online this year should experience strong lease-up demand. However, the challenge for many developers will be getting their projects completed. Demand surges for rental housing far from cities. The loosening of pandemic restrictions is triggering a nationwide surge in multifamily housing growth. The biggest gains have been found in and around rural markets and small towns as extended work-from-home policies make it possible for more renters to live further from densely populated areas where they work. These trends appear not to be slowing as companies gradually begin to bring back people to the offices, with the pandemic entering its third year. The Home Building Geography Index, which tracks residential permit activity across the United States, reported that multifamily demand in rural areas nearly doubled year over year in the first quarter of 2021, after posting gains all year. The analysis found that the demand in suburban areas and small towns rose slightly in the third quarter. That increasing portion of the market came at the expense of large urban areas, a slice of the multifamily housing sector that saw a 2% drop in market share over the same time. Even the suburbs and exurbs of large cities experienced weakened demand. The Geography Index reported suburbs of the large markets lost 1.5% in market share 
in the last quarter of 2021 compared to the prior year. Meanwhile, exurbs in those large areas lost 0.2% of market share during the same time. And finally, we asked the question, what exactly is affordable housing? All housing is affordable housing. If developers build cheap housing, the price of all housing except the most luxurious will fall. Alternatively, and perhaps less obvious, if we build more luxury housing, then the price of all housing will fall, as there will be less pressure for gentrification and teardowns. So what do we do to solve the housing crisis? Let's start with making it legal to build housing. Generally, in functioning market settings, price signals convey information that are rapidly transmitted to three sorts of actors. If there is scarcity, prices rise rapidly. The result is consumers buy or use less, producers make more, and entrepreneurs come up with substitutes. In housing, this system is not working because it is not being allowed to work. The regulatory agency Freddie Mac has estimated that the shortage approaches 4 million units nationally, and that undercuts the degree of shortage in terms of people who want to move to larger or closer to work locations. Why is the price mechanism not working? The short answer is that it's effectively illegal to build housing, and innovation such as microunits, accessory dwellings, etc. is discouraged. The only solution offered by America's city governments is scarcity. In a growing consensus that crosses partisan and ideological boundaries, analysts have concluded that we need to make it legal to build housing. So that leads you to your next question. How could it be illegal? The housing advocacy group Up for Growth estimates that between 2000 and 2015, 23 U.S. states used intentional restrictions to block more than 7 million new dwellings that could have been built without the regulations. Even more importantly, perhaps, is the finding that even for the units that were built, as much as 30% of the final cost was caused by regulatory uncertainty, waiting for approval, or the submission of repeated traffic reports, environmental impact reports, or jumping through other regulatory hoops. What specifically makes building new housing illegal? The following categories of zoning, regulatory, and license restrictions all play a role. Minimum unit size, maximum number of units per development, height restrictions on a building, setback and lot size minimums, or extorted green space concessions. Off-street underground parking requirements, even in poor neighborhoods near mass transit. New developments require an inefficiently large amount of land, much of which is required to be used as parking in buildings no more than four or five stories tall. The housing units themselves generally must be 1,000 square feet or more. You can just do the math. In city after city, a Brookings Institute study documents the problem, noting that all three major components of cost, land, labor, and materials face substantial and in some cases unnecessary and unintentional cost bottlenecks. The result is that the cost for almost any new unit in areas with burdensome regulation and high land prices will exceed $250 per square foot. Worse, municipal restrictions are also the main driving force behind gentrification, where relatively rich people occupy parts of what little affordable housing does exist. Since cities allow wealthy neighborhoods to make it illegal to build market-rate housing, it's hardly surprising that newcomers or current residents looking to expand their living space look to poorer neighborhoods. A recent working paper by Dr. Kate Pennington of the U.S. Census Bureau had a really interesting finding. While what we call static gentrification displaces low-income housing, the more dynamic form of gentrification or building new market-rate multifamily buildings in poorer areas actually reduces the cost to renters in the area. The problem is that the building new multifamily properties is prohibitively expensive and faces lengthy regulatory and legal delays for approval. The entire system is oriented towards hypersensitivity to local concerns. All housing should be considered affordable housing. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews. We have a new interview with Eric Fruits of Cascade Policy Research discussing Portland's complex homelessness problem. HFO TV interviews are available on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Apartment Investor blog, available on our website. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. 
Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hfore.com.